Hello, it is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. And if you're listening to this, this following piece of information is going to be too late, so I apologize. If you can hear in the background, I am currently outside, one with nature, uh, because there was a full moon last night. How about that? Uh, but it's so fucking cloudy, you can't see anything. All right, it's Pack Show. I think you're, I mean, I, you literally just heard me realize that I can't even see the moon. I thought I was going to do something awesome and see a full moon. Turns out can't see a damn thing. All right. Well, if you enjoy this show today, uh, go ahead and feel free to tell a friend about it. If you don't enjoy the show, just act like it never, ever, ever happened. Some big announcements, some incredible conversation. I think today is going to be a day we're going to be thankful that you decided to let us penetrate your ear holes you're the greatest let's get to it joining us now is a man that made headlines 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 last week and his job is not an easy one the brand new president of the washington football team seven year nfl running back ladies and gentlemen jason wright let's go hey let's go come on what's up man is he muted? I'm here for it. Hey, congratulations on getting that president job. That That is no easy task, especially for a former player. I was pumped to see it. Yeah, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. It, um, it's been an eventful first week, but I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm what, enjoying it a lot. What does a president do? I, I don't think I fully understand the title of president. So what do you do? You just tie together the entire building, which I've heard is completely on fire over there. Do, <laughs> do you just tie the entire place together, Jay? You're you saying I got a fire extinguisher sitting around. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it depends. It depends team by team. Right. Um, in this case, if Coach Rivera is all about wins and losses, I'm all about dollars and cents. Okay. It's it's the expansion of the franchise. It's how we make money. It's how we expand value. And what that means is, you know, connecting with our fans meaningfully, you know, having good business operations, all of that. I'm the business guy. Okay. Congratulations, by the way. You're not only were an NFL guy, an NFL player, you also have a master's in finance and everything. You were by far ready for this job whenever it comes to the books. But whenever you get this gig, and I don't know how much you knew about what you were getting into, new team name. Okay, new brand. Have to build yep. an entirely new brand. Uh, Expose is coming out about the culture of the workplace, which is being exploited. By the way, everybody on earth is hearing about it. Now, head coach, who seems like the perfect guy for the job, diagnosed with cancer. I mean, yep. this is some unprecedented position for you to be in. What is the mindset? Like, hey, we just kind of have to take care of everything as it go or just try to slowly – like, what is the mindset every day? That has to be tough to think about. It's a yeah, tall task. I mean, I mean, a lot of this stuff I was wide-eyed about coming in, right? Um, you know, I do my due diligence. I don't I don't rush headlong into things. And so the stuff around the culture, I'll still find out once the investigation is completed, if it's, you know, wh where, where it all shakes out. But it's clear, like, we've got to root out any vestige of sexual harassment from the organization. And that's a non-trivial task. And while it's a big problem, you know, because it affects people in a very deep and harmful way, the solutions are pretty simple. The solutions are pretty simple. It's just it's put in good processes, figure out who in the organization is not leading how you want and move on and move the F on. You know, it's actually quite, quite simple uh, to move forward. And there's a, a broader set of aspects of culture that will develop too, making sure people feel empowered, they feel equipped to do their work, all that stuff. Uh, the identity, the name, the brand, that's exciting to me. 
that's exciting to me. Like that's a once in a generation decision that we as a franchise, along with our fans and our sponsors and the leaders of this community are going to make that shape this organization, this area, you know, for a generation to come. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about that. So I don't even see that as a big burden, but as an opportunity. Um, And even the culture piece I see as an opportunity, frankly, because once we get it right, there's going to be a huge emotional um, burden lifted off of folks who have worked here for a long time and they deserve that. You know what I mean? Um, So, so I I see it all as very, very positive. The thing that, um, you know, is new is coach Rivera, but that man's a rock. (laughs) So, like he 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 did his press conference and he basically said like look keep it moving people I'm good you should be good and um, it's it's really inspiring so I, I, it's a lot of work it's a lot of swirl but I'm enjoying it because I see where we're gonna be man hey I want to run through a wall right now that was a hell. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, let's go. I mean, I don't know if I'm tough enough to do that, but like, so every day you go in there, I would assume with the quarantine protocols, it's a lot different, but I assume that you're communicating with a lot of the employees now and like trying to learn as much as you go every single day. How much are you tied into the football side at all? Or are you not at all over there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tied in insofar as it helps coach Rivera set culture. Right. So, um, you know, I've, introduced my he had me introduce myself to the guys at practice so they knew who I was knew what role I was playing knew what role I wasn't playing and that's important to make clear um and then you know as we as as the team paused to uh to reflect on race and society and have a dialogue in the locker room like a real talk dialogue in the locker room they invited me in to share my experiences as a player and as an individual and as a black man on that so I'm there to I'm there to help him shape the culture, however he wants me in over there. And he's doing the same for me. You know, we had a big, um, uh, like we call them, ask me anything sessions where we're talking to our workforce on the business side and frankly, the whole organization about the things we're going through in culture. And Coach Revere came over to help me lead that conversation. So we work quite closely together, especially in shaping culture. And then on tactical things like COVID and stadium operations, we got to be in sync. You know, thinking about team travel, the business side and the football side got to work closely together. So, we're, yeah, we're working close. But it is, like you said, it's a lot of listening, man. Your instincts are right. I'm doing a lot of listening and learning right now. So whenever I was on the team when Chuck Pagano was diagnosed with leukemia, and I, it was a moment that was startling, it was crazy, and then it was something that really rallied us together. Right. Like it really brought our entire building together. I'm not just talking players. I'm talking marketing. I'm talking ticket sales. Everybody kind of came together because whenever you're going through something that nobody else goes through, it kind of is it feel like that's what's happening in the building? Because the Washington football team has been dumped on by everybody. I mean, it is. And that's something that in with the distractions now, with everything potentially happening with more investigations and in Coach Rivera, does it feel as if the building is coming together around that? Like, hey, we're good. people. We got good people in here. Let's continue to grow on that. Is that what it feels like? Yeah, I think we're getting there. I think for sure on the football side, you know, coach and, and that's and that side of the, the house have had a little more time to start to build that. And so I think you see the response of the team and the folks uh, in football operations around coach's diagnosis and just following his like, you know, generals, commander's intent has been really inspiring to see. It's been dope, frankly. And um, I, so I see it there. I think on the business side, we're just getting started. I'd be lying if I said, hey, yeah, we're all rallying together after, you know, one week of new vision, new direction. No, we got we got a lot of skeptics. Um, and that's good. And that is good um, because they should hold us, our new leadership to a high account. Like skepticism is not a bad thing because I feel very confident that we will deliver on the new culture. But I do think people are already seeing 
that it's a different approach. We're quite open. I'm very transparent. I talk to folks. I answer their questions directly. I don't dance around it. Um, uh, and so I think folks are seeing that this is a first fruits, a down payment, if you will, on where we're headed. But it's going to take time for us to prove over and over again that we're we are about what we say. I'd say you're a bit different. You're probably the only NFL president in history to describe something as dope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I would like to, I would like to let you know I appreciate and respect that the Washington the Washington football team. You came in, I think, after that decision was made, right? The naming. Yes, that's right. Okay, so whenever you came in, did they say, "Hey, we don't know if we're going to stick with Washington football team"? We're planning on changing it is there was that a preconceived thing or was it like hey we were open for suggestions on however you want to do this yeah no it's open man it's uh, it's it's wide open uh, i think you know where i aligned with where the marketing team was already headed with this is that it needs to be more than a logo more than what you put on a jersey it needs to be about identity um and it's an important moments for uh, important moment for us to reset identity you know, coaches resetting it on the field. We need to reset it as an organization for the way that we face the media, the way that we talk to our fans, the way that we design the fan experience, the way we engage with leaders in the community, the way that we do charitable work. Like this new identity and name is going to inform all of that. You know, it needs to be something really substantial that represents the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area in a real way. Um, and so I, I'm on board with the approach we're taking, which is engaged fans substantively a bunch get their input not just in number but in quality moments so they feel like they really had their fingerprints on this same thing with sponsors same thing with political leaders and community leaders in the dc maryland virginia area because it needs to be a community decision not everybody's gonna love where the name lands right you can only pick one name yeah but but everybody needs to feel like they were part of the process that they understand how it went and they need to understand the logic for where we landed and then then we can build the unity that we need to be the fan base that this this fan base has been for for so many decades that's that transparency though right that not just in the building but with your fans because i assume the fans right. have lost a lot of trust potentially in a franchise that they have been very loyal to i mean the 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 fan base over there for a long time has been one of the most loyal i mean it was the biggest it was the biggest yeah. stadium in the nfl there for a little bit before jerry uh, built jerry world and that place was built like a coliseum mm -hmm. straight up i mean and whenever it was humming back in the day it was awesome let's talk about that stadium and your fans going into mm -hmm. the season some people have rolled out how many people they expect to put in the stadium the protocols of putting in the stadium i assume that has been a pretty tall task for you especially where you're at how how are those decisions being made whenever it comes to stadium to stadium on how many people are allowed in and what that's going to look like yeah so the league has given really good guidelines on uh you know health and safety procedures so there's there's only a maximum level of what you can do that follows health protocols and that comes from the league it's incredibly i was skeptical coming in it's incredibly coordinated the information flows well. I'm really happy about it, right? Um, and, and then at the team level, you have a decision you can make on, do you want to push towards that max, um, which is you know somewhere around 20 to 30% capacity in the stadiums, or do you want to do something less based on what you're trying to do with your workforce, what you're trying to do in your community, what your community leaders are thinking and saying. And when we took in all that data, we said, hey, for us, we think it's the best bet to do no fans. It's the best bet to do no fans The you know, what we've seen in other leagues, especially um, both domestically and internationally, the density of a place like D.C. For us, the risk was not worth it at this time. Uh. And, and so we're going no fans for now. But it doesn't mean we don't engage fans. It actually ups the bar on how we engage fans over this time period. And I just finished a, a meeting, a, a long meeting before this 
that we were focusing on what are the ways that we can really innovate the fan experience during this time. Look, we don't have fans in the stadium, so what can we create using you know augmented reality and displays that people can use in their homes oh. to overlay? That's like you hold up your phone or something and you've got you know a scoreboard over the TV that makes it feel like you're in the stadium in some way. How do you get the images of fans into the stadium in different ways? Like we're thinking about all of these things that build that connection in a new way to help with this year, but also become things that we do going forward if it really engages folks and they really like it. So we're looking at it as an opportunity to innovate while we have the empty stadium. Should I call you Mr. Right, Jason, Jay? What should I call you? Uh, Jay, Jay or Jason is perfect. Okay, Jay. How are you? Maybe you guys have, this is just spitballing here. <laughs> maybe yeah. you guys have somebody from the Washington football team organization go to every season ticket holder's house and dump beer on their back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like big play happens, like, ah! Gatorade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gatorade. Gatorade, do whatever you got to do. Maybe that's just a way to make him a little bit more realistic. I like what, it. What do you got, Diggs? Jason, as a, uh, a first-time president who is or has to build a new culture, have you or will you? You reached out to other presidents of organizations that are respecting the league to maybe get some advice on, on how their teams are run, or is it just a completely different situation with you guys? And then since you are on the finance side, will you be dealing with player contracts at all or negotiations? No. I'll answer the second one first. That's a that's an easy and hard no. I will not Smart. be involved with, Smart. Uh, yeah, with, player, yeah, with player negotiations Smart. and contracts. Um, on the first one, what I love about the league is people are super collaborative. So other presidents have reached out. I got to get through my freaking text messages because <laughs> my phone blew up over the last couple of weeks. But as I'm getting through, that's actually one of my main priorities is getting on the phone with other presidents. Is so many of them have walked through different things that I'm getting ready to walk through. You know, um, you know, Kevin DeMoff reached out um, from LA, from the LA Rams, and they've walked through the stadium process that I'm going to undergo over the uh, over the coming years. Um, so there there are multiple folks that are eager to lean in and help, and I've. I've deeply appreciated it, as well as the league office itself, connecting with folks up there, understanding what other teams do. It's a very open and sharing culture, and it's going to help us get to where we need to get to more quickly. What did you do before this? What was your gig before this? Yeah, so when I, when I retired, I went to business school, and I was a management consultant um, for a big professional service firm. I was a partner at a firm. And basically what I did is I'd take teams, I'd have multiple teams at any given time around the world, helping a business solve some complex problem that they couldn't solve on their own. Um, and usually when you pay money to have external help come in, it was, it was a situation where they were either in financial crisis, reputational crisis, they had some sort of people issue, um, not dissimilar to the one that um, we have going on with our in independent investigation, or it could be like a new product launch or something like that. Some big hairy problem that they asked for help in. And I've been helping companies solve those problems for the last seven years so you're literally the perfect human for this job <laughs> i mean yeah. you said it yeah <laughs> no i'm not i'm by by no means by no means am i the perfect person for it I, am i qualified yes but i'm learning a lot already I'm learning a lot already and i'm grateful for the expertise that's that that's that's grown up more in the league um to help me you know shape my thinking as well what do you think being a player is going to help you in this entire thing? For seven years, not normal, by the way. Player who goes seven years in a league, not by the way, congratulations, not normal. Uh, yeah. That is not an easy thing to do. Then become masters. Then become a, a third-party independent thing that saves companies around the world. You're welcome. And then now you're president of a football team. I mean, there's not a lot of players that have ever done that. What do you think? Do you think football has obviously helped you be able to mentally take yeah. on all these things? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about what football did for me heading into business in general and then what I think it's doing now. 
going into business in general, I think there's a lot of smart people in business. Um, but you know this about football is that you learn a level of resilience and ability to focus under pressure in high stakes sports that I think is pretty unparalleled. You know, I used to tell people, you know, I learned how to fail in my first few years of the NFL. I mean, I was getting cut every other day on and off of practice squads, running out of money. I lived with my aunt and uncle in Atlanta when I was with the Falcons because I couldn't afford anything. My rent was like running my my aunt's lotto numbers, you know, <laughs> to the corner store, you know, and I drove an hour and a half to the practice facility because they lived pretty far away in Atlanta. Like I learned how to fail. I learned how to grind and I learned how to recreate my confidence when somebody told me I wasn't good enough. Okay. And I think in business, a lot of folks don't get that experience. You're a straight A student. You've always succeeded. Then the first time someone tells you that your spreadsheet sucks, it like tanks your confidence. <laughs> and for me, you know, I've fumbled in front of 80,000 people and been booed and been in sports centers, you know, not top 10. So I'm good. Like you, you, <laughs> me, like, you yell at me in the boardroom. Okay. I'm, I'm over that. Like, let's move it. Let, let's keep it moving. Um, and so I think it really helped me have a measure of resilience in business that allowed me to be a good counselor to CEOs because I could shoot it straight with them. I, I was unaffected by, you know, the emotional moments of folks. And that sports helped me a lot there in, in sort of my leadership capacity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then I think now um, it helps uh, it helps me to bridge the business and football sides of the organization. You know, there's a lot of things that the business side we need the players and coaches and football staff to do to help us expand the value of the franchise. But at the same time, I know that Wednesday morning through Monday afternoon, you need to be on the grind to perform on the field. And so it's on me to shape our business operations in a way that don't draw on those guys and gals during that time period. Smart. You know? Yeah. And so that, that's an important thing and an important lens that I bring, you know, to the table right away. And then as I think about things like game day operations and stadium operations and things like that, having the lens of a former player, I think, helps, too. Um, uh, and then I think ultimately it, it should help the culture of the franchise to feel like one culture, because especially as the guys get into the offseason. Yeah. So it's not divided. Right. Yeah, so especially yeah, yeah. as the guys get into the offseason, I'm happy to help play whatever role I can to help those guys think about their future the transition out of football, which, as we all know, is not easy. Mine looks good right now, but it sucked along the way. You talk about my wife my first two years, she'd be like, oh, yeah, this man was a mess. <laughs> so to, help, to help folks think through that and and help contribute to the culture on the team that Coach Revere is trying to build, I'm happy to do that too. And there's probably other things I'll find out, but that's what I see now. Well, I'll tell you what, Ben. I am very, very impressed with this conversation. I'm very thankful that a former player has gotten into the role that you've gotten into. You're blazing trails for a lot of people, and we're very thankful. Can't wait to see you succeed. you got a hell of a fucking climb to get over, but I am <laughs> pumped to watch you do it. It's an opportunity, Jay. It's an opportunity. It is an opportunity, bro. It is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Keep it moving. New president, Washington football team, Jason Wright. Thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. Hey, he's awesome. Polished. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's he came from a firm that used to deal with PR crises yeah. and rebranding things and doing everything. It's like, could there be a more perfect human to get in there? And by the way, former player is a big deal mm -hmm. because remember he was talking about bringing the entire building together. There's two very distinct things in an NFL building. It's the it's the football side and then there's the business side. And the business side isn't always on the same page as the football side. And you can see it through a lot of different things if you look closely enough. Whether it's the social media, the way the social media is handled, whether the day to day operations, you can kind of tell. 
When a building is all together, though, it is obviously, just like the football team when everybody's together, just a much better thing for everybody. But he's got some tall tasks. I mean, yeah. there is some tall things, but the way he spun everything into an opportunity, it's like, oh, this guy is like President 101 right here. Like, this guy is the guy. Like, it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. It's like, I've seen... A lot of people on Instagram say that, but boy, when you actually have to do it, that is a much different ball game than just pandering on the internet. Shout out to my Twitter account, by the way. Yeah, and, and it seems like he has uh, like largely removed his ego from the equation too. Like he fully well understands like how difficult this is going to be, and that there's going to be like a lot of bumps and bruises. But it doesn't seem like he's in it for himself, you know, to like build his own reputation. It's so interesting to hear him talk about how I've fumbled in front of eighty thousand. I've been on Sports Center not ten. It's like whenever you get humbled at that level. It's kind of hard to take anything too serious, you know, after that. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm peeing my pants, whatever. Just keep it moving, bro. <laughs> he said it perfectly. Like, those, the people that, that didn't do sports oh, yeah. as, as they were growing up, like, and I worked with them in, in the office and stuff like that, like, the boss would yell at them and they would just absolutely crumble and go cry in the hallway. But, like, when you have been called every single name under the sun by uh, by a coach, like, that while, doesn't affect you at all. While tobacco's getting spit. Yeah. <laughs> you sack of <laughs> All right, yeah. I tried, man. I, I didn't mean to miss. Like, I tried to put it through. Hey, why you got to try harder, mother? It's like, okay, all right. So it can't be anything harder than this. By the way, uh, it gets to a point though where people you get sick of people yelling at you like that. Ain't that right up in Boston? Um, no, you don't really yeah, get sick. Right. Yeah, sounds like it. Pressure, pressure makes diamonds. Super Bowl diamonds. Yeah, I mean that's just what happens. Sorry to interrupt the flow of the show, but I have to tell you about Fubo TV. Are you sick of cable? We are too. That's why we're switching to Fubo TV for live sports news and primetime television without the complicated contract. Do you love watching TV but hate your cable company? It's time to finally cut the cord with Fubo TV and you can pay less money for more channels. Fubo TV is how you should be watching TV. Get everything you want all in one place for less than the cost of cable. Fubo TV brings you over 100 channels, cloud DVR, and no hidden fees. Stream your shows on your TV or any other smart device. They have the major broadcast and cable network, so you can find all your favorites, including prime, time, television, and news. And with Fubo TV, you'll never miss a game. They have the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, Premier League, La Liga, college sports, and more. There's no to try it out, get full access to Fubo TV for seven days for free. And right now, Fubo TV is offering listeners of this show the seven-day free trial and fifteen percent off your first month by going to fubotv.com forward slash McAfee. There are no contracts, and you can cancel anytime. Go to fubotv.com forward slash McAfee for fifteen percent off your first month and a free trial. That's fubotv.com forward slash McAfee. Now back to the show. Let's conversate now with a man who's a legend, okay? Not only was he a stud at Iowa, and he was a linebacker, and then just, hey, I'll go over to the offensive side of the ball and become like a first-round draft pick at tight end, and then just take over as a dynamic pass blocker, ball catcher, wearing no gloves at all, incredible teammate, good guy, Iowa guy. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, 44. Dallas Clark. Yeah! What is going on, fellas? Dallas, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Where are you? What? 
Why why did you not tell me it's sleeveless Wednesday? I know. Da- Dallas, I know you're out there in the middle of Iowa and you I, mu- I could I could have pulled mine. Oh, 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 I mean, oh, let's, go. Oh, let's go. Are we doing this? Whoa. What are you Oh, you've been getting after it over there, huh? Is that just farm strength right there or are you actually still getting after it? It's half. It's it's 60-40. 60 farm strength, 40 just throwing iron around in the weight room. <laughs> just can't can't get enough of it, you know. I I think I'll lift until I die. I think I, I, I've come to the conclusion. You were. You were <laughs> well, I mean, look at you. I'm trying to keep up with you. Well, I'm going to be very fat though at some point, so I'm just trying to have these pictures so that I can look back on and say, "Hey, you remember when?" But when <laughs> when I talk about NFL guys being super competitive, okay, I think that is something. But there's levels to it. Like uh, Bill Belichick just talked about how Cam Newton is this guy who's in the top echelon of being competitive. He wants to win every sprint. He wants to win every race. You were that guy. I mean, even at I don't want to call you old, but whenever you were a little bit older, right, whenever I was there, you were that guy that was just, like, ultra competitive. Were you that guy your entire life, and is that why the transition from linebacker to tight end and then into the NFL was so simple for you, you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I went I – did you say simple? Yeah, yeah, simple. simple. No gloves. Don't even need the benefit of gloves. I'm going to go no gloves here. I'm just going to make this as easy as possible. I think the only thing about the NFL that, that's simple is walking through the front door. After that, it's your <laughs> nothing is simple. Uh, but and and then again, that door might you know come back and kick you in the butt. But uh, but no, I mean, it, dude, I I'm the youngest of two older brothers that just beat the tar out of me every day, and uh, and my middle brother, I mean, I'm still kind of scared to death. I, I think he. I think he could kill somebody. I mean, he just has a switch, you know. So living with that and, like, don't tell mom I'll kill you, you know, you literally believe that, like, you know. And, and so I've always had that kind of fight or, you know, that fight or fight, uh, you know, instinct kind of just just reminded every summer day getting pounded by him while mom's at work. And so, um, so yeah, but I've all, I mean, we've always been competitive. I've always been, and I tell you what, it's, Pat, as I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. I mean, it is, yeah. you know, because I think like I think there's this notion that you're supposed to like stop being competitive um, over like who can get to the tree first or who can ride on a uh, on a on a on on a, on on a scooter. Like I'm still trying to I'm competing with my kids now. You know, I mean, I don't think I think if it's in you, it never leaves. I don't think it's something you can be taught. I don't think it's something that you can just like pick up. Um, it's the same way of being a leader, right? I mean, I don't think you can learn being a leader. I get it. There's just some core about it that either you have it and you can flourish and grow with it and, and, and expand and, and get different uh, ways to do it. But if you just don't have, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and there's just nothing wrong with not being competitive. Like, that, I look at those people a little weird. It's just like, why do you not want to win at throwing the ball farther than the guy next to you? It's like, well, who cares? No. You should care. (laughs) That that doesn't make sense. Let's talk about Uh, the offense that you were a massive part of in Indianapolis because Peyton, obviously, one of the most competitive humans of all time. You were there with Marv, Reggie, obviously. That offensive line was a tight core uh, from Edron James, Joseph Adai, the entire offense there. What made you guys – Pat McAfee. I only came out at the end whenever you guys failed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know, but we needed you. We needed you. Hey, clip that. Somebody clip that. Somebody clip that. Let's keep it going. But why was that offense so good? Why were you guys so good? Like, what was it about you guys, you think, as a unit, that made you guys so reliable, so consistent, and so damn good? 
Well, I think we just touched on it. It's the competitiveness. I think we had 11 guys in that huddle that were the biggest competitors and, and never, never were complacent, always wanted, you know, nothing was perfect. Nothing, we could always get better. And obviously the ringleader was Peyton. And, uh, you know, I think, and, and what's awesome about every position on that line or on the, in that group had that leader. You know, obviously Peyton's the leader of the quarterbacks. Jeff Saturday is leader of those offensive linemen. I was, you know, leader of the, the linemen, Reggie Wayne, Marv, you know. I mean, you look across. I mean, there was, I mean, we got some dudes. I mean, when I came in as a, a rookie, I, I mean, I was like, do you guys need a towel, need a water? Like, why am I in here? Like, what is going on? I mean, this is stupid good. Like, it, it was it was phenomenal. I mean, and so you just have that and that, just the professionalism and the way we attack things and, and then you have Tom Moore and, you know, just running the show of just, you know, just dog customs, Howard Mudd, just dog. I mean, it just, it was awesome. It was, it was just something, it was just a, a perfect dynamic, obviously Bill Pullian, the mastermind behind all of it. And, and uh, you know, I, but I think it was just the competitiveness and, uh, and obviously the chip on our shoulders wanting to obviously end up on top and, and boy, did we take our hits and we, did we take our lumps and bruises and, 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 you know, you don't want to live in the world where, gosh, we, you know, that group should have had four of them, you know, or that, that group should have had three, you know, Peyton should have, you know, whatever, you know, you don't want to live in that because that's taken away from everyone else. Like, Hey, we didn't deserve, it. we didn't, we didn't do what it took, but man, you know, how hard it is to get that one. It's just like, thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness we got one. We should have got more. It's, it's disappointing. And that's the competitiveness in us, you know, and, but man, it, it was what what a ride to to try to climb those hills because that was competitive football. Not that it is now, but it's uh, it was fun, competitive, and that's when you know that's when Rodney Harrison on the backside of the ball could just drill you in the back for no reason, <laughs> and, and, and and you and you look at the ref like, hey, what? And they're like, hey. It's football, football, baby. Hey, that's football, baby. <laughs> come on. Hey, you, come on, Rook. You should know better. <laughs> Rest in peace to Howard Mudd, by the way. Absolute legend of a man. Very important. He was uh, offensive line coach, but very important to that entire building. And I was very lucky that I was drafted into the end of that whole run you guys had, right? I got a chance to, like, watch, like, okay, this is how greatness is. Like, this is, this is what greatness is. The building, after games, like, yeah, obviously people were happy, but it was like, hey, we're just coming and do our job the next day. And then as I got towards the end of my career, there there's a little bit of a different view of things like the world kind of you know there's the locker room kind of changed a little bit and i felt i felt very, i wasn't old enough right in the young in the first couple years to say anything but i was young enough to like learn and then when the transition happened in the new building i wasn't old enough to like be able to say like well this isn't how this is not how it's supposed to go so i was kind of like stuck <laughs> i was kind of stuck in like this very weird thing but i would assume that when you came in there as a young guy and you have this incredible offense, this incredible quarterback, everything going on. And you're a young guy. You said you're supposed to be holding towel. Somebody at some point said, hey, wear gloves. Like, I would assume somebody said that. Like, hey, wearing gloves is like a it's, – it's like putting salt on a – it's just everything is better with gloves. Why did you never wear – this is something I don't think I've ever got an answer from you from. I, I don't think I ever had enough guts. I, I didn't talk to you because you're a punter. So I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't even – Actually, I'm sur- I, that's it all makes sense now. Like seeing, I'm so glad we're Facetiming because I'm like, oh, that's Pat. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you're Pat Breen. I thought you're Peyton's assistant. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I Sorry. thought he got the show. I thought Peyton hooked him up with, yeah. you know, a, a radio show. Yeah, yeah. That Sorry. show would be good too, by the way, Pat Breen. <laughs> that show would be very good. That, that guy would have some stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Okay, uh, so here's the story. No gloves, all right? So I was a linebacker. I walked on as linebacker at Iowa and, and wore the gloves, right? Because that's what linebackers do. That's when we were tough. And so I transitioned to tight end. So that summer in 2001, uh, my quarterback, best friend, Kyle McCann, is teaching me how to play tight end. We're running routes in the backyard. And, and I, and I gloves felt like I felt like I was still a linebacker. And it was just dog, I mean, dog days of summer is 100 degrees. So I took the gloves off because they're all sopping wet. And dude, it was like, you know, just, just feeling, I don't know, just it's look got, at those you know, fingers, though. Look at your gosh. fingers right now. I mean, oh my God, it look yeah, like yeah. bananas coming out of your palms. <laughs> They paid the the bills, but um, so they, you know, so I took them off and then it was, then it was just like, and then football, I mean, college football, I mean, if you can't catch a college football, I mean, it is like, I mean, it's a perfect side. I mean, you can just catch that out of nowhere, but yeah. And then, and it just kind of, and, and so don't worry, it went through my head. I'm like, gosh, the NFL, I might might have to wear gloves. And so that, that, you know, that rookie, rookie, you know, training camp that, that, um, that weekend after the draft, you go in and I didn't wear gloves and, and, and just, you know, I've been catching with the NFL ball, obviously that, that fall or that, that winter, but you know, it, it was defense guys. Obviously they'd be like, man, why, you know, they, they were like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, running back to the huddle, like, dude, why, why don't you wear gloves? Come on. Get... And then if I dropped one, oh. obviously they're like, Ooh, if you had gloves, <laughs> if you had gloves. You should go get some gloves, you know. And so, so yeah, it was just one of those things that I just love feeling the the, the ball, and, uh, and and so, and I just I don't know, I, I felt was it, it was it Baltimore or New England where you caught that ball like it was a tray, like you literally caught the ball like this. I don't remember. It was I think it was Baltimore or New England. Baltimore, Baltimore. Yeah, it was the south south end zone, south southeast corner. Yeah, that was well. That was crazy. It's like South I mean, corner. I that. was so I was so open, and you know, you're coming out, and I'm like, you know, you're expecting, you know, just boom right there, and all of a sudden, it's like, where in the heck is Peyton putting this thing? <laughs> and so, I mean, I think he wanted me to make uh, the top ten that week. So he's like, you know what? Let's just let's just let's give a little air to this one, and so. Yeah, he made me. Uh, he made me have to concentrate on that one. But yeah, it was. Uh, it's that was that was awesome because the crowd right there in the corner, they're just like, "Oh, you overthrew it! You overthrew it!" Oh, son of the dagger! <laughs> the <laughs> dagger. I think that was the touch. Oh, there she is, baby. And I think that I, that was unfortunately. I think that was my only catch of the day. I've been on a tear, so I was a little frustrated. But that was the touchdown that tied me with the late and the the true legend John Mackey uh for touchdowns uh with the Colts. So that was a special uh that was a special reception the touchdown there. So that uh that guy that guy paved the way for us uh receiving tight ends. That was he he started he planted the seed that us young bucks just we were able to cultivate and uh and now it's just <laughs> Now, now, you know, now the Kelseys and, and the Kittles and all those boys, they got a whole new crop out there that's just flourishing, and it's beautiful to see. Yeah, the tight end position is becoming a real weapon with the rules changing. You talked about Rodney Harrison go ahead and spearing you in the back whenever he wanted to. That cannot oh. happen anymore. I mean, you would be, you'd be, you might be playing until you're 45, 50 years old if it was the modern rules right now, especially with your work ethic. But um, let's, let's talk about the, um, that Buffalo Bills game, okay? 
you remember this, and I don't know if you want. I, do. I don't know if you want to tell this story or not, and I hope you do. It is alleged, okay? And I was not in the huddle. I actually had like a one point five million dollar bonus on the line in the middle of that blizzard. I had to have a certain <laughs> amount of yards. So everybody on our team, this is our rookie, my rookie year. We went undefeated until we chose to lose, which was not a decision that was loved by everybody, but we literally chose to lose <laughs> the Buffalo Bills game. It was in the middle of a blizzard. It was the last game of the season, and for me, there was literally a one point, I think three four million dollar bonus on the line that I had to have a certain amount of yards per punt. I had to have a certain amount of punts inside the twenty. Everybody else around me is like, this game is you know just a joke or. <laughs> whatever and i'm like i'm like yo leave me alone like i i I need nobody to talk to me right now this is the biggest game of my life but it is alleged that in the huddle you guys were actually drawing up plays like in the snow because there was a certain amount of catches that people needed or yards people needed is that an accurate statement or was that all just a lie that i was told on a flight ride home after i hit a 1.35 million dollar bonus and had a great time and don't remember everything is clean Okay, so, you know, I, I think you just answered this, Pat. So you you were aware of what you had to do, right? You, <laughs> you knew you had things on the line, right? And and you needed hit marks and things like that. You know, I, I'm not going to get in Payne's head. I mean, that's a, that's a scary place. I mean, that dude thinks about everything, right? You know, so it may have been brought to his attention that certain players and certain things had to get um, – um, to get you know to get reach or you know knocking on the door of certain uh, certain numbers and and uh, pers- you know just you know records and things like that. But hey, when bullets are flying, here's the thing: like w- you can try to have a plan, but you know when it's it, now it's snowing and it's just you know those guys are they want nothing but to just kill us, right? I mean that's that's what you know they. they, they they love that weather, and I do too. I'm from Iowa, but yeah, I mean, it was you know we were definitely in their turf, and and uh, but yeah, to 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 go to your question, I mean, it was just we're trying to move the ball, and uh, certain guys in the huddle are you know some playmakers, and and Peyton just wanted to get to hit the ball, yeah, his, his playmaker, yeah, yeah. he so, was at running back. I think yeah. you were lined up at running back at one point, and Reggie, I think, was lined up at H back at one point. There was like things happening on this. I'm sitting on the sideline watching this, and I, I'm too young. I'm too young to know anything. And I'm like, Dallas is a running back. I think Reggie Wayne might have been a running back at one point for like a swing pass or something. And Dallas is like, I'm like, what the hell is going? But by the way, by the way, Buffalo did not prepare for Reggie Wayne to run. We went right down the field. I think we went down the field almost too fast. We played Denver the next week in the playoffs, and you know we just wanted to have them. You know, take more time. Yeah. They, they had yeah. to study now Reggie in the background. I mean, it's dude. It's you, you might think it was the stats and all this stuff. No, 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 no. Smart. We want like what? It, Reg, Reggie's running back. He's oh my gosh. He's going to set up a screen. Oh, I mean, it just fool. And that's what you know. We, we we beat the brakes off of them. You know. So I mean, it was uh, you know, it was it was all because of Reggie in the background in the backfield. Don't oh. don't, don't think. Gosh, see, you're young. Yeah. You're naive. You listen to those things on the uh, – that's that's cute. But that did not – no, that did not take place. And by the way, I'm a member of the media now, so I'm trying to spin up these mm. stories. I mean, it's 
Hey, seriously. Okay, so can we talk about you now? <laughs> yeah, let's do it, though. No, 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 no one wants to hear about me. Everyone's everyone's Googling me to figure out who is – why That's is stuff. he taking up so Not much true. time? You were so trending on Twitter. Hey, you were trending on Twitter last night. You were an answer to Jim Mercer's question, actually. So you were actually trending. You're more important, very more important right now than you've ever been if you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Well, Thank you, Pat, for making me. I, I, I'm well, Mr. Ursay. I guess it would would, would help me with that. But here, here's the thing about what I love about Pat. So Pat came in, and Pat was enigma. I like to say enigma because he was all about punning. Like he he did his job. But Pat had always had a vision. Like this, like where you are. This is where you've you've seen yourself here. Fifteen years ago, I mean, you, you knew. This is who you're meant to be. And I remember, Pat, I remember you specifically saying this. And you can deny this, you know, because, you know, you, you can, you can my show. spin the story. <laughs> you're like, Dallas, I just want to make $5 million, and then I'm out. And I'm going to go, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do – I don't know if it was acting or, like, like, the, the, like the media. I was going to have my own show. I mean, you – dude, you're doing this in your apartment <laughs> – to you know, to you know, probably some Pike High School kids. You know, you probably had like a Facebook, you know, fake, fake Facebook page or something. And and like, I mean, you're selling your T-shirt, dude. You are a hustler, oh. a worker, and, and I say all that stuff in the the most positive and respectful way. I mean, dude, you 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 have a vision and you go for it. And that's why I've always loved you and I've always respected you because you just see it. And you go for it, and uh, and and it's and that is that's a gift, and and you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, and I remember being like, dude, you are a phenomenal, like you could do this forever, like what are, you know, and then when you retired, I'm just like, what is going on? And, and, <laughs> and so I mean, but here, here's the plan, right? You you've seen this, and 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 can I can I tell one of the best Pat stories that. <laughs> And I still I please still by all means, time. Dallas. I thank you by the I, way for all this. I, hey, I do this with my kids. My kids are eleven and nine. The two boys, we play backyard football, and I'll do this with them because it might be the coolest thing in the world. I can't and and so anyone who has a shotgun, an old Mossberg or something, mm-hmm. you know it's like a pump shotgun, right? <laughs> and you have to cut. You have to pump it. You have to cock it to get oh, the yeah. shell into the chamber. So we are we're at we're warming up for a game, and I remember looking over, and I'm giving Pat maybe I was wishing him luck or something, or I was probably giving him some bad punter joke like, "Why did did you made the bus? Like we, we let you guys travel? Like or did you try? You, did you fly Delta? Did you get in this morning on the, on the Delta kid, the red eye to 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 LA?" Um, so, and, and if you haven't noticed, I love my, you know, because you have perspective and you have punter perspectives. You know, it's just all, it's like, yeah. it's just always just a little. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. You know, it, it, so it, if you understand yeah. where I'm coming yeah, from, yeah, Pat yeah, yeah. has under, uh, unfortunately taken the the, 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 the big lashings of these, these beatings. But anyway, yeah, so true. back to Pat. So I'm walking off, I'm, I'm trotting off the field and Pat's like, hey, Dallas, hey, watch this. And so visual, if you're at home driving, don't, you know, so think about Pat taking both of his arm or both his hands around his thigh, which are like tree trunks, by the way. I mean, the dude has got some thighs on him now, all right? Still got it. And, yep. that, and that, sir, has paid the bills. Yeah. And so he takes both, so he, so he put both of his hand, or hands around his thigh and he, boom, boom, and he just cocks, he's like, <laughs> and he makes 
that noise, he goes, shh, shh, like he's, like he's cocking his thigh. And he gets the ball, and then he just, he just sends this skyrocketing. And forever, I'm like, that is the coolest dude ever. And then, like, he, just, he just went so high, as a high as a punter can go in my book, like, to like just like full respect and it was the cool so now like when i kick the when i kick the ball in the backyard i'll, I'll do that with the kids like, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, you gotta you got cock it right right <laughs> oh and it is it, it was the cool and so i thought one i thought you would like do that in a game i thought we we're gonna do this as like your finishing move for like a wrestler and you know bring all this stuff in and and he never, he never, he never coined it. I mean, dude, if you, <laughs> I would love to know. And by the way, I do remember this interaction, and I do remember immediately after doing that, have to be like, all right, I have to bomb this one. Like for the moment, for the story, like I have to bomb it. the The thought of me though, and I think this is something that is pretty cool that nobody really knows about Dallas because Dallas, you retired and just disappeared, literally moved into like. I don't know, 700 acre farm in the middle of Iowa with maybe no phone service. I don't even know what the hell happened. You just like. We just, hey, we just got internet last year. Hey! <laughs> hey! That's why we can be on this. You know, that's why I finally interview you. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> well, the, the thing about you were you were this all pro guy, right? Big name guy, leader of the team, super competitive. All these jokes about punters you make. But the fact, like, think about the, the moment between a young punter and a superstar tight end who's a meathead. I mean, you are a meathead. In, in warm-ups, me, me being comfortable enough with how good of a teammate you were and how welcoming you were. And I think that doesn't get talked about enough with, like, that group of guys you were, you, that offense and that defense, that, that team. Everybody was so cool. Like, Dwight Freeney yeah. was making, like, $4 million a week. And he, like, literally sent a limo to drive me places. You were so cool to me, so nice to me, invited me to things. Peyton was doing the same thing. That team was just such a cool group of people. Think about a 22-year-old guy uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went to West Virginia. Complete opposite human of Dallas Clark, by the way. In warm-ups, me being comfortable enough, right before a game, going to Dallas, going, hey, Dallas, fucking look at this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is, that was the cool part about that team, man. Like, that team was so cool. It was, I wish I could have been a part of it longer, and I wish I would have known while I was in it, like, how much I would learn from being, you know what I mean? Like, I wish I would have in the moment known, like, hey, like, what I'm learning from these humans, either by watching them or talking to them, I'm going to carry with me for literally the rest of my life. And I'm very thankful for you for that, because you were one of the most welcoming guys I've ever encountered. Well, you, you made it easy, Pat. I mean, you, you, obviously, you know, it's the one thing, like, you either fit in or you don't. And, it, and how you fit in is, one, it better mean – it better be a lot to you, you know, this big job, right? Big responsibility and it better be important to you. You better want to compete. You want to win, you know, so you have those check marks, uh, obviously, and, and then you got to prove it and then you got to back it up. And, and if you do all that, then, then you're in, you know, and, and we all have to go through those kind of trial and error. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the beauty of the game and the ugliness of the game at the same time. That's why it's three, you know, three year average. And, you know, so, not for everyone and uh dallas they don't definitely they don't talk about that anymore like a team's chemistry they like oh nowadays you talk about like this guy's this fast he can do this he can jump this and i realized that after you guys left with the new like hey we're bringing in incredible humans but we're not thinking about whether or not they and i've always said this because of the team in indianapolis and the team in west virginia i said the good teams i've been on have all liked each other like the good teams and the bad teams i've been on 
People don't like each other. And that is not something that is talked about enough in building a team. It's like, hey, you've got to have a team that's all in with each other and playing for each other as opposed to just alongside each other. I think that is something that doesn't get talked about anymore. And, and it doesn't, and I don't know if it, it existed. I mean, I don't know if guys are on team. I mean, that's what's the beauty of it. I mean, look at the group that we had that were able to be, you know, around each other. I was there nine years. Peyton was there for 16, you know, I mean, or 14, 15. I mean, it was just – Saturday was there 12. I mean, it's just like to have those big, big leaders, big time players around each other for that long. And then, and then you just mix in with, you know, all these other younger guys and that you, and, and obviously pulling drafted well. So these guys, you know, stayed their whole contract and maybe got a second contract. And so, I mean, it just, the, to be able to do that, I don't know. I don't know if the, the game allows that anymore. I don't know if GM's, care about that anymore you know i think they're just looking for the next greatest thing you know the next shiny toy but it's one of those things that we were able to have that you know so not only were we able to win but i think that the 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 big reason why we won is you're right i mean we had each other's back and i mean i mean we just we were friends off the field like we you know and and so it's just it mattered And, and and it wasn't just football but it was you know and i think it started with dungy you know coach dungy talked about that and 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 polian has talked about that numerous times how they look for guys that were going to fit into the locker room and not necessarily the fastest, the strongest, the biggest, you know, it's just like it, they had to have that, you know, I don't know what it is. That's ask him, you know, but it, there was something that they look for and it meshed because dude, we had guys from all over, all the, over the place, it, all it, over. And, and, but man, when you're in that locker room, dude, like, I'd, I'd, I'd take a bolt for every one of them. I mean, just, just it was great, awesome. great dudes. Uh, Dallas, I could talk to you forever, by the way. You're awesome. Ty Schmidt from Iowa, though. Hawkeye uh, is pumped to talk to you. I, uh, Ty Schmidt, by the way, big fan of yours, Dallas. Big fan. Favorite Hawkeye. Hey, Ty, what's up, big dog? Not a whole lot. Dallas, I was curious. Uh, were you always going to move back to Iowa after you retired? And if you were, like, why is it so alluring? Because it seems like a lot of guys who go to Iowa, like when they're done playing in the league, they do end up moving back home. Yeah, well, someone has to keep the lights on. I mean, if we leave, I mean, I mean, we, you know, there's only like ten people in this state. So if we don't come back, then the weeds get taken over, and you know, it's just you know, someone's got to harvest the corn. So, no, we, uh, it, I tell you what, it is, you know, that's the best thing about being three lockers away from Reggie. And you know, when I, I still remember the first time I told him that we had to go ten miles to go to the nearest grocery store and to go see the, you know, the nearest town that had a movie theater, and and he just. What, what you had to go ten miles to get, to get a gallon of milk? Like what? Where are you? Like you know, just like and now you want to move back to it. He's like, what? You are you know, and, and it's just like either you get it or you don't, right? And and it's just kind of one of those things where you know, I have nothing. You know, I've, I think you know, New York City. I I could live there. I would love living there. You know, and it's just I you know, so I I am I'm kind of an enigma. I'm trying to be like you, Pat, but I, I you know I can. I can adapt. I can, I can go any, you know, I love the big city and I love looking out and just seeing just a bunch of cornfields and, and just nothing but the beautiful harvest coming up. So uh, it, it's just one of those things. I, I had a good feeling I was going to move back to Iowa. Um, I didn't know of hometown or Iowa city or somewhere, but I tell you, it's just, it, it's home. It is home. Indianapolis though. I will tell you what any Indy fans or Indianapolis Colts fans shout out, I mean that's home. I mean Pat, you. I mean it's, it's an uh, that was such a hard city to leave because that the people, the the city, uh, just everything. I get that was really, really, really hard to leave. I mean we left 
I mean, it, that that was home. I mean, lived there for eleven years, and and uh, so just miss miss all the Indy crew and and all that. But uh, but yeah, home's home, and family's family, and I had to get back. Well, I've never left, so anytime you want to come back, you are more than welcome to stop by. You're a living legend, and I can't thank you enough for your friendship and also this incredible interview. You're the man, brother. Hey, hey, hey! Uh, yeah. Can you give me a favor? One one quick favor. Yeah. Can you give a shout out to Peyton Vote? Yeah, absolutely. Can you just say can you just say hi to Peyton Vote and be, he's he's a, a buddy of mine that lives here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's he's the ninth guy that lives here um, uh, <laughs> in, in the state. He, I mean, dude, he you have to come out. I don't know what you're doing September twelfth, um, but you have to come out to my golf outing um and uh and and come out and play but he's a he's a huge 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 fan of yours and and he's just like hey you think you could ever you know forget peyton or any he's like you think you get pat maxby come out (laughs) i you know what pat's a crazy kid he he might actually just get on board with that well how about this dallas uh, you you tell love you tell peyton vote that's his name peyton vote like as in vote for like an election Yep, you got it. Hey, Peyton Vote, listen, you're a handsome son of a bitch. I don't know you, <laughs> but I do know that if you're from Iowa, you got a couple good traits. You're a hardworking man. You like to have a good yes. time. You're probably super competitive, and I can't wait to swing the sticks with you out there in the middle of Iowa, the cornfields, no cell phone service. You and me, Peyton, we're going to have the time of our life. I appreciate you. You're the man. Thank you. Yeah, let's make that happen. And, uh, hey, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, This was way overdue, but I, I tell you what, I just want to give you huge props uh you're doing your thing and you do a great job and i love how you stir the pot oh, <laughs> no no I, I mean, right i mean a little just a little yeah, maybe a little bit on thursdays you know just to <laughs> get along just to feel know. alive just to feel alive you know what i mean just, just, yeah right you know just i don't know i might i'm, I'm gonna go to sleeves today i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna mix it up Tomorrow's going to be shirtless. I don't know. Oh, no, I can't. You know that. You know I cannot. Yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. But I tell you what, the arms are good, man. You know, the arms are looking good. And it's just the hair. Obviously, you always had a great helmet hair. So, I mean, that's that's Lego hair. You just take that on and (laughs) put it back. Every day. Every day. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, living legend, Dallas (laughs) Clark. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Have a great week, brother. Yeah, you too, man. I'll see you soon. Let's do it. Legend, the advantage when he rolled up his. Uh, yeah. Oh my yeah, god! Jeez. By the way, in the weight room, he used to be a guy. Throw like, him around. Country, str- country strong. Oh yeah. He used to get after it. He and I, we had a very good relationship. It, we you like tell. you saw us. We warmed up next to each other on, on planes. We literally sat and talked to each other. I've been invited to his house numerous. I've been to his house numerous times whenever he was living here and everything like that. We had a very good relationship, and we are literally. I mean, just two completely opposite human beings. But that's what football does, by the way, right? We've been talking about that this entire time. That team was so, so, so tight. And we had a – there was one time where I thought about uh, competing against him, right? And it was this – yeah, we should call Ariel. We'll we'll talk to Ariel Hawani here in, like, momentarily. There's this box. It was like one, two, three, four, like four square – and you had to jump one foot from the center to box one, then box two, then box three, then box four, and jump back to the center. And you had to do it one-footed. And I played soccer, so my feet pretty quick, you know? And Dallas was over there, and he was just crushing it, right? And I think he beat Vinny or something at the time slot. So I look at him, I go, uh, 
we betting on this or what? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So he goes, he goes, the strength coach does the entire time, like from center to one, center to two, center to three, center to four, and then get back, whatever he does, the whole thing. And he has the time, and he's like flexing. You know, like he, they, there's like a little bit of a crowd at this point. And I go, and I'm .01 like second wow. faster than him, right? Oh, my. He didn't talk to me for like, <laughs> he didn't talk to me like two days. I like, walked away. I obviously did this entire, this entire thing or whatever. But everything else, never, ever beat him in anything. The guy, that, that was the only time i ever beat him in anything and he was like he legitimately got pissed off like walked away like see you later i'm like all right that's that's a level of competitiveness i mm-hmm. wish i had dallas but didn't help you 0.01 seconds <laughs> we had a great relationship he's a good guy you can tell legend dude. no gloves is always just the best thing yeah. to see and he said, oh, i've always thought about wearing gloves and then just kind of became something or whatever he said like feeling the ball which i can appreciate that oh, yeah, i yes. wore one glove by the way because I like feeling the ball whenever I dropped mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to stick my hand and whenever I had to spin for the laces. But I did want the enhanced catching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, Just I was in like, case, you I would like, enough. I would like a, 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 a like a sticky finger bandits thing, which is basically, mm, yep. which is what gloves are nowadays. Like that thing will do the catch and then I'll <gasps> pry it off of there to punt the ball. And I think Dallas would have been, the rules now with Dallas. Oh. Oh. And if, you know what I mean? He would have next. I can't thank him enough. <laughs> It's official. The sale of the summer has arrived. Dell's Labor Day sale is happening right now with rare deals like savings of up to $300 on some of the latest and most innovative XPS and Alienware PCs yet with Intel Core processors. Plus, save on a curated selection of premium tech like Samsung TVs, all with complimentary shipping. Call 800 by Dell or visit dell.com slash Labor Day. Again, 800 by Dell to take advantage of unprecedented Labor Day tech deals. Let's go. Now we're being joined by a man who is leading an army on the internet. General Bobby Carpenter. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that. And you know what? If I would have known, I would have gone sleeveless today. I apologize for being overdressed. Well, I mean, AJ's got a long sleeve on. This has just kind of got to let the arms out, and the spray tan that I have is kind of falling off. Bobby, let's talk about you. You're a first-round draft pick to the Cowboys, an Ohio State legend, obviously. But now you have become the voice for upset Big Ten uh, players, Big Ten coaches, Big Ten fans, Big Ten family, Big Ten alumni, and following along on Twitter has been a beautiful thing. Where do you see the Big Ten football season standing? It's been postponed. It's potentially coming back. The president's involved now. The general of the Big Ten Army, Bobby Carpenter, what are your thoughts on the standing of the Big Ten football season? You know, Pat, I feel a little bit like Tom Cruise and a few good men. I mean, I'm just sitting there talking to Colonel Jessup, a.k.a. Kevin Warren, saying I, I want to know the truth of what happened, why it happened, how it happened. What did you use as reference material? And so I think with the Nebraska parents filing that lawsuit and through discovery, then we were able to find out the fact that, hey, these were the presidents that voted yes. These were the presidents that voted no. And if you fall under one of the presidents that voted no and you like football, turn up the heat a little bit. And so (laughs) I think that that has begun to happen a little bit. The president has gotten involved. It shouldn't be a political matter. I mean, this is football for heaven's sakes, but... If you look at maybe how politics play into it, the geographic footprint, there's a lot of swing states. You know, I did, I've, done a, I've done a lot of research here over the last hour and a half about the phone call and everything that happened. And because people were doubting if it really did occur. And I 
I have on good source that it did occur. It did happen. And President Trump has basically offered the Big Ten presidents and Kevin Warren everything they need at his disposal to get this done. They have the saliva test. They have as many as they need. You tell me what you want, he said, and I will provide it for you. Bob, hey, how do you how do people turn up the heat if they want to try to reach out and figure out how to get this thing going again? You know, it, it sounds cliche as possible, but you know, I'm, like if you live in one of those states, contact your congressman, contact your senator, and I've posted a number of times, as Pat has said here and alluded to, like, hey, email the presidents, email the presidents, call the presidents. There are four, thirteen of the fourteen are all public officials, and so with that, reach out to them and let them know your displeasure. General Bobby Carpenter here joining us. This man is leading an army. <laughs> the boys are saluting. Now, you did say you don't want politics to get involved. They should be involved. But then you said call your senator, which is very, <laughs> well, is very interesting. <laughs> but they can set the rules, which could potentially open up the schools to play. Again, I assume that is... Now, aside from the presidents, it is been said that they thought they were going to be looked at as heroes because they're deciding on safety and future health as opposed to just football. And then the backlash has been the complete opposite. Were they making that decision strictly from the individual guidelines of the states that the schools are in? Because Cincinnati's going to play in Ohio. Pitt and Temple are playing in, in Pennsylvania. I mean, Austin P and Central Arkansas were able to play. What were the decisions made for the 11 people that said no football? And why did the three, why was there only three that said yes, you think? Well, I think initially it was only two, Nebraska and Iowa, and I think some of the political pressure was turned up. And when I said political, Pat, I don't think it should be partisan. Okay, I got you. The thing is that when you look at your senators and your representatives, I don't care if they're Republican, I don't care if they're Democrat, but they're elected. They have some accountability. And so you don't, the, the, the general population at large doesn't elect their presidents at the universities in their state. And so reach out to them because they can usually sway them a little bit based upon the information they have and resources yes. that yeah. they can provide. And so that, that's what I was trying to do, and that's what I was trying to sit there and promote with everybody, is to do that. And you threw out Notre Dame's playing in the state of Indiana, and so that's where it doesn't make any sense. In the state of Ohio, I'm coaching two of my kids' little league teams. High school football played on Friday night. You've got the Bearcats playing. You have the Bengals and Browns playing. But yet you don't have Ohio State playing. And for one of the biggest economic drivers of Columbus and of this state, it is absolutely imperative that they play. Bob, what about Kevin Warren? Why do you think he jumped out so quickly and made that decision to shut it down when he could have at least prolonged it for a couple of weeks and tried to do something? Well, and that's what that's what's unbelievable to me is the fact that, you know, they chose to shut it down at that point in time. Why wouldn't you give it more time? Wait and see how it plays out. You have all these students returning to campus. You think it's safe for them. So I don't understand why those presidents wouldn't have waited at all. I think Kevin Warren wanted to be seen kind of as a visionary. He thought he could get the other conferences on board. The Pac-12 was always in his pocket. But the reality is the SEC and the ACC were going to play. And then all of a sudden the Big 12 joined them because they didn't want to be left out. And so then you have the majority of the conferences playing. And I think the Big 10 was standing there, you know, with egg on their face. And now they're trying to double back and figure out how they can save this. Do you think they're going to be able to double back and save this? Do you think that's really happening? Like, do you think the pressure from the big 10 army that you are the general of and uh, the, the public pushback and now the president calling saying, Hey, whatever we do, you think that's going to change anything? Or do you think they're set in thinking that what the decision they made is going to be viewed as right 10 years down the road? Well, I think the president was able to offer him an olive branch and try and, and also, you know, a, a, actually a life preserver as well and saying, if you, if you want to double back, because now they've all been unmasked because they know people know how they voted. And so if you're in Michigan and you're in Pennsylvania, you're upset that, you're, that you're, uh, your president voted no. And so with that, 
He's going to say, listen, we can provide you all the, all the instant saliva tests you need. I mean, I think the, the U.S. government purchased all of them that they could from Abbott. I don't think that there was enough left for everybody else. So, hey, I'll provide them to you to help out with the resources. So this is something that is now available that wasn't at that point in time. So you guys don't have to be wrong. You just have more information now and more resources now. Mm. Bob, have we learned any, any um, I guess, any explanation for why there was so much confusion with the, did they vote? Did they not vote? And now we find out it's 11 to 3. Like, yeah. why were they trying to, to scuttle that? Well, because I don't think anybody wanted to be viewed as someone who shut down football in the Big Ten. And so when you think about it, especially if you're at Penn State, if you're at Michigan, if you're at Michigan State, if you're at Wisconsin, some of these big branded teams, they wanted to try to pitch it as a consensus. Well, Nebraska blew that up when they said, we'll go play whoever. And so then they couldn't hide behind that anymore. And you heard the Minnesota president say, well, it really wasn't a vote. It was kind of a discussion because they didn't want to be unmasked. Nobody wanted to be accountable for their decisions, even though these people with bonuses are all making over seven fifty a year as public officials. You have a degree of accountability and responsibility, not only to your students, but to the state. And you're going to sit here and hide and be pretend like, oh, we didn't really know what happened because you guys shouldn't find out what voted. It, it drives people insane. Attend! Hey! <laughs> General Bob Carpenter leading the charge on the internet about upset fans, basically. picketing. They were picketing the Big Ten offices in Chicago, the lawsuit from Nebraska you talked about earlier this whole thing and obviously we want to eliminate from the thought that COVID-19 eliminate real world and we're talking strictly sports world the it came out that the presidents of the Big Ten schools underestimated the amount of clout of athletics or something like that did you hear about that and how is that even possible if you're running a university that a lot of money from the boosters comes in strictly because of the athletics is this just ineptitude or is this just a, a little bit of ignorance in the importance of sports in the world you know, I like to consider myself a pretty self-aware. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. General you know, Bob? I, oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, I mean, I try not to get in fights that I don't think I can win. I think I'm kind of a good-looking guy, but not the most handsome guy in the world. Like, Smart. Decent athlete, not a great athlete. Smart. Like, don't ever overestimate your own skill set and your own importance. I think some of these, these presidents thought, hey, nobody will find out about this vote, so we'll never really be accountable for it. Everybody else will join our cause. All the other conferences will shut down. And then because of that, you know, we won't look like the bad guys. When in reality, if you think about it, Pat, and you, you live up in this footprint, look at the biggest stadiums in the country. Good four of the 10 that reside in the Big Ten. You've got Ohio State. You've got Nebraska. You've got Penn State. You've got Michigan. How in the world could you sit there and tell me that you didn't think that people in this area of the country thought football was important? They packed those things out. They paid tons of money. The Big Ten has the best TV deal because the most people watch that is the most unaware thing I've ever heard in my life. And believe me, if that's the logic they're using, they're either in a, living in an echo chamber that they only want to hear, or I don't know what type of degree they had that oh. allowed them to graduate with a PhD. Oh, oh. General Bob saying it's a fake degree. Orders. <laughs> oh, hey, Bob, if you could be in the room. Wait, okay, at some point you are going to come face-to-face with Kevin Warren. Oh, yeah. Yes. oh yeah, he has heard <laughs> you. He has heard you. Oh, yeah, I think you may get a meeting soon with the, the groundswell of support that you have going. What's the first thing, what's your first question you're going to ask the guy? First question I'm going to ask him, because he didn't have a vote. He's the commissioner. And there was, from what I had kind of heard and gathered, you know, there was the three schools, Ohio State, but especially Nebraska and Iowa, they were driving. There was a handful of schools 
let's say Rutgers, Maryland, like they knew they're not playing for anything anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So they're yeah. trying to pull people that way. There's about okay. three or four of those schools. True. The schools in the middle, how did you pitch it? And did you talk about the potential good side of college football and all the benefits and all the financial implications of it and what it could mean for your players? Or did you just sit there and pitch, you know, the uncertainty and all the risk and everything? And why did you not, when all 14 of your athletic directors unanimously told you they wanted to play in the fall, why did you not recommend that and tell them you wanted to play in the spring? You went full Benedict Arnold on your ADs and did not represent their best interest. Will you mention the red line that you put out on his statement? That was one of our favorite things that ever hit the internet was you redlining his statement and pointing out a little bit of hypocrisy in some statements. That thing I think is really when your army started to form. I think whenever they saw that general Bob was willing to take time to redline an official statement, I think that's when the army really jumped on board with general Bob. Well, you know, you can sit here and in 240 characters on Twitter, bang out this and that. I'm like, you know what? They're put this statement out here and they're direct direct uh, contradictions that presidents said, that AD said, that he had said. He's referencing the global pandemic. Dude, how does what's going on in Australia or anywhere else in the world impact what's happening in the Big Ten footprint? And so, you know what, I'm like, this will be easy for everybody to understand. Pull out the red line, get it, you know, get it in Adobe, sit there and bang it out. I mean, I don't know if you know this, Pat, not only am I a general, but I also teach a couple of business classes over at Ohio State. Oh! No fake degrees. You know, I got an MBA from here and an undergrad, so I teach a little bit. So might as well put that to good use in the realm of athletics as, as well as academics. Jeez, Bob, I didn't know you were. I didn't know you had a master's over there. I, I didn't know you were a polished Dog. businessman. The acumen. I mean, I saw the red line. I should have known that there was some deep history behind that thing. Ty, you got some for General Bob. By the way. This is one of your uh, strongest uh, soldiers here, General Bob. Iowa grad here. He was accepted to Harvard, chose Iowa because he likes to party. Uh, how do you feel, Ty? Go Hawks. Uh, yeah, like, Bob, moving forward at this point, I mean, I know, like, we've – there a new tweet just came out today that said, oh, uh, there's a good chance the Big Ten is going to come back now in the fall. Have you heard anything like that, or is that mostly bullshit at this point? No, I think that there's a good chance. I mean, the people that I talked with – I mean, it's squarely in the who? presidents. Who? Who are your sources, that's, that's, General? No, no, I'm, I'm not going to unmask some of these people. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you this. They're very reliable people that know about this stuff. And they were the ones that told me, like, there's a good shot now. I think there might even be some of these universities starting to practice now because they think it's there's that potential for this to come down this quickly. Because reality, like, give the guys three weeks of a little bit of a training camp and throw them back out there. They were already training all summer. They were already safe. The numbers were good. Let's go see if we can do this thing. And speaking of which, the, you know, the University of Iowa, I've had people reach out to me. And this isn't just an Ohio State thing. Like, there was a guy that reached out to me. There was an Iowa grad saying, thank you for everything you're doing on this. Right. Yeah. General, General Bob! Well, it's going to gut the athletic department if it doesn't happen. Like, that's what other people do not realize. If there's no football, there's not going to be any men's soccer. Like, you're cutting synchronized swimming. Like, you are going to decimate some of these athletic departments. And nobody wants to see that happen. Bob, what about basketball? Is basketball in jeopardy? Are they going to try to bubble these guys for college? What are, what's going to happen? Well, here's the irony with basketball. is The way football is set up, the people that are making money in football is the universities. And so it's in their best interest to play. Now, the NCAA, they canceled that tournament last year. That is the biggest driver of revenue for the NCAA institution, which also resides over there in Indianapolis. And so if they go two years without that, there is real fear about the solvency of the NCAA and would they have to fire bankruptcy 
and all those guys in their ivory towers, Mark Emmert, that they're making a million plus a year, they're going to be out of a job because that's their biggest revenue driver if you take that away. So I think the hypocrisy is really beginning to show itself, the lengths of which they're willing to go to try to get some of these things done once the finances get involved. General, the thought <laughs> of the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 happening and the Big 10 not happening – now let's say that the Big Ten somehow doesn't play this fall because you're you're basically alluding to the fact that it feels like they're going to play. So let's let's assume the opposite. Let's say they don't fall. Do you think that Austin P, Central Arkansas, every team in the SEC, every team in the ACC, every team in the Big Twelve, and the American Athletic Conference will have a recruiting? head start over these Big Ten teams because they could just say, hey, our conference, we care about football here. Not like the Big Ten. Big Ten doesn't care about football here. We care about football. I think there's real rippling effects in that avenue. as well, Not just financially, but I think as the traditional powerhouse school, I think that potentially gets changed in the narrative if Big Ten doesn't happen. Now, granted, we want everybody to be safe, but strictly from a football world, I feel like that's something that could truly happen. Hey, look at the big brain on Brad right there. I mean, that's that's some intelligent thought right there, Patrick. Like, if you think about it, it may not hurt Ohio State with some of all their guys. They're still going to get the top-end dudes. But everybody always says, put your money where your mouth is. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Oh. And so it's easy to sit there and tell me you care and your conference loves football and you love football and you're willing to do everything and we want to get you here. But if you start talking about getting recruited, about going potentially to Indiana or Cincinnati, and Cincinnati can sit there and tell you, you know what? We, wanted, we voted to play football. We went on. Indiana, not only did they not have a season, but their, their president voted no when their high school governor had, or when their governor had high school football going on. So tell me how much they really care about football over there. And those are real. That is real conversations that are going to have, be having. It's not negative recruiting. That's just a statement of fact. It is, Bob. Last thing for me. It, it, you, you seem to be optimistic that the Big Ten might find a way to come back and play this fall. What does it look like? When does it start? When does it end? Are they still able to do the playoffs? Like, what, is, what happens? Well, if they're not doing the playoffs, then it's essentially just, you know, and to kill, quote Paul Feinbaum, who I don't always agree with a ton of, but he said it's the XFL. And that's the truth. Like, if you're not playing for a national championship, then you're just playing. It's just glorified spring ball. So they've got to get it done by mid-December. You can, I think you can have a six, seven, eight-game season. They can start that thing somewhere in mid-October, early October. You give the guys a couple weeks to ramp up. You play seven or eight games, six, seven games, and then you play a conference championship. I mean, that's really all you need. Because the only two teams that are really in this, and maybe you could throw Michigan in there too, but it's Ohio State, Penn State, potentially Wisconsin. There's like three or four teams that will have a shot to play for a national title. And those are the data points that really count. Nobody cares if Ohio State or Penn State or whoever beats Illinois or Rutgers 55-7. to They care how they play against the elite team. So if you give me four really good games out of six or seven, I think they'll be fine. Well, Bob... I can't thank you enough for joining us. The hair looks incredible. How's the 6 a.m. schedule going? Is that a little bit early for you? Is that a little bit of a kick in the sack? You know, AJ knows this. I mean, we've been waking up and working out together for years, um, so the early wake-up wasn't a big deal. But I do like to get the, the little pump going beforehand. Tough to get a workout in before 5. I usually <laughs> just run a couple miles, and then I try to get a little lift after. So that's tough, Pat, because believe me, I wanted to rock the cutoff. I just didn't know if it was going to be appropriate or if it would scare anybody. Okay, so you guys are just, like this is this should just say Buckeye Meathead Heroes. <laughs> what? Is, is it this Buckeye Heroes? Yeah, you're right there on your thing as well. There's, Hold on, right, right, there. right there. There we go. Is it, so you three were just meatheads, huh? Just love the gym. These three guys right here just love the gym. Let's get as much iron as we fucking can in our body. 
Hey, man, you know what it was about. I mean, look at AJ. You don't get to be that buff and get a wife as good looking as his. With, you know, you got you to be self-aware and know what you got. And so if your only avenue is, look, is like getting big and strong and that you think that's going to be the thing that will appeal to the opposite sex the most, you got to go all in, man. That's right. And that's, that's about right. the only thing. That's that general. general. That's yeah. general. That's Bob my general. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All Big Ten stud, Buckeye hero, general of the Big Ten upset fan army, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Clark. That's Thank you, Bob. Hey, thanks, Pat. I'd make a great ring guy for you if you ever need me, okay? And oh. I got some I got some little bit left right now. Oh. Oh. A lot of people are saying AJ just sat back and watched me get punked and didn't do anything. Oh. Yeah, that's what people are saying. Ty's still saluting his general, by the way. Well, I mean, escorted out. That is just the way it goes. Uh, thank you, Bob. Hey, thanks, Pat. Thanks, AJ. You guys have a great day. What a guy. Hey, what a what a guy, General Bob. Wow, Carpenter. awesome. Hey, I did I did not know he had a master's in business. <laughs> Bob General Bob Carpenter, professor. He's, Bob a, he's Carpenter. a professor now at this point. He's a general leader of an army. AJ, what an interesting linebacker room that had to be with you, him, and Schlegs. Yeah, it it was, and I still see him and Schlegs a lot too. So, yeah, Bob's a smart dude. I mean, as you heard, he he does his research, so he. Uh, he had a, he definitely had answers for any questions mm-hmm. we had. The red line of that fucking statement is the best. Popped it up on Adobe, put it out there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's awesome. I don't. By the way, I would assume that he's potentially going to take a victory lap if Big Ten football comes back. Oh, oh yeah, likely so. I assume he is. You gonna, would assume? Yeah, I think so. He deserves <laughs> it. He might get a medal of honor. Yeah. Hey, he has really gone ham. I mean. All in on it. That's been his. Ent- I assume that's his morning show every day. Is just talking about how Kevin Warren has completely fucked this up. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I assume that's mm-hmm. his entire three hours every day. Because if the Sports Illustrated report is true at all, which they said that the Big Ten presidents thought immediately after their decision, the ACC was going to cancel the next day, and then it would just be like kind of like a domino effect. Like, did they not talk to anybody else. Did they not talk? Like they all have friends. I'm sure in the ACC and the Big, like everywhere. Did, did they not communicate before? But okay. Hey, think we're going to shut it down like you're going to follow right well i think that was a conversation that was had and that's why they believe that but then notre dame uh allegedly calls the acc and says hey let's make something happen because we want to play and then they're like oh maybe some future stuff for notre dame being in the acc maybe in the future and that kind of stopped their vote for canceling anything and now the acc so then the big 10 and the pac-12 are kind of just left like kind of you know holding her pud there for a little bit. And now we're at a situation where everybody else is playing. The American Athletic Conference is playing. These small schools are playing. And now the Big Ten, because they wanted to be the first people to vote on whether or not to happen, they're just sitting there staring from the outside in. And I would assume that he talked about it. Four of the what? The four of the top ten stadiums or, or four mm-hmm. of the top five stadiums or biggest stadiums are in top, the Big Ten or whatever. Ten, yeah. That whenever you have that amount of people probably pissed off, and by the way, in the states that they're in, a lot of these schools, there's a lot of people who have not really believed in the quarantine for a long time. Yeah. And I'm saying that because we live in one currently here yeah. in Indiana, and I think that is a general consensus shared here. You got some people probably furious with that. And Kevin Warren, I mean, I don't know how often you can be told to go fuck yourself, but at some point you're going to have to listen, I guess. And even if the president's calling now, it's like, okay, now everybody knows that the whole world is calling us right now. I would assume they're going to have to give in just a oh, little yeah. bit. And in general, Bob saying that now they have excuses too, like they have more resources and more information for them to turn around their answer. That's huge too, because they don't want to look like they're people who make decisions and come back off it because then they question your leadership. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this and it's Big Ten football, baby. That's all that it is. Big Ten football. <laughs> Joining us now from the mixed martial arts world, ladies and gentlemen, ESPN's 
Ariel Hawaii. Yeah! Woo! Ariel, I would like to let you know that when I was on the IG Live, I asked about Ariel Hawani right in the middle of the thing. He called you a name, and then we moved on to conversation. You said, I didn't have the gut sack to do such a thing. I am now accepting apologies. Where's, where's the proof? It's all over where's the, the internet, Ariel. Oh, you got blocked. You couldn't what? see it. Oh, oh, yeah, oh no. So where's the proof? Who's to say that you're not lying to me right now? Well, the internet, everybody told you. I mean, you saw, you <laughs> no, saw no, the, everybody, no, no. You every- said You sent me some weird DM with all caps. I don't know what you wrote. You were like, did it, or thank you, or you're welcome. Or you're something. welcome. And I wrote back, yeah, and, and I wrote back like four seconds later, and you never wrote me back. You were too busy jumping around wrestling rings and whatnot. I don't know what you're doing, but you could have at least told me what you were talking about. You I don't knew know what I was talking so. about. No, you- I, I, okay, what did he say? What did he say then? I think we both called you an asshole or something. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think he did. I think well, one of you is lying, and it sure as heck ain't him. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about me right now. I think we did. Did you, <laughs> did you get sent the video clip at all? Because I no, want to let you know, anything. while I was doing the IG Live, I didn't think I had enough internet service to connect to it, so I thought I already ruined the thing. So then I get into it a little bit late while he's waiting for it. We have a conversation, and I realized that Lil Wayne was the last one that did this, and I think The Rock did the one before, and I'm like, I am not supposed to be on this thing. So... I'm never going to get invited back. Might as well at least shove it to Ariel Hawaii in the middle. Uh-huh. So what was the question? How annoying is that guy? Like, how'd you set it up? Uh, it was talking about how old buddy was going to get a, uh, Stipe was going to get a championship fight regardless of what happens in this fight. I, I said I was listening to asshole Ariel Hawani earlier or something like that. And he said, he said that Stipe is probably, even if he loses, will get a chance to fight for the title next fight anyways. Is that something you say? And he said that I'm a very smart man and, thing, and he said he agreed that you were an asshole and then we just kind of moved on with the conversation but it did happen and i felt very very good about it well kudos to you and in all seriousness as i said to you yesterday i do have to give you a lot of props i know we like to uh, bust chops here but what you did in that wrestling ring my man honestly nothing short of amazing Uh, i've been watching pro wrestling for a very long time i believe 1986 to be exact was when i first was introduced to it that was the greatest debut by a celebrity slash athlete in the history of the pro wrestling business, as Triple H likes to wow. say. Hell yeah! So, Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That was amazing. I mean, there's others uh, that I've enjoyed, obviously. Uh, no. L- okay. no one was as good as you, honestly. I-, I know you didn't get to do it for the big brand. They put you on, like, the smaller brand. It makes sense, considering <laughs> you're a small brand. But... Oh. <laughs> uh, let's talk about said small brand. I appreciate that compliment, and then immediate backhand. But the... Uh, DC announced on my show that he was going to retire after this yeah. fight. Then you guys made it feel as if it was on your show. He is officially retiring. How do you feel Daniel Cormier feels about what happened in his fight against Stipe and obviously going forward? I think he's at peace with it. I think he would have obviously liked to go out on top. It was the perfect scenario. It was the kind of scenario that every athlete, let alone fighter, dreams of. You win a championship in your final fight or your final game. Um, and I know he took it very hard, but I think the fact that this time around, the fact that he has other options, that he's got a TV career, that he's got so many other opportunities, I think softens the blow a little bit for him. Uh, is my connection bad? Is that why you're making all these faces? What's it froze in a compromising face of yours, and it would be a real shame if people clipped that. I mean, it would be a real shame if that... I mean, it's not your fault. still frozen. No, no, you're good. You're good. But boy, it was like a, I wish I could, it was like a, uh, like very bad time. I mean, it was, Uh, and by the way, Foxy (laughs) gave you no, did you no favors. Yeah, I didn't have the package ready. He left it just sitting up there for at least three to four seconds. And that, 
Oh, that's tough. But I'm happy Cormier is happy. He is so good on the microphone. And your show with him is some like I learn a lot, obviously, from your show because I don't. You know, watch it. I watch the clips. Not the whole thing. I ain't got time. I, I, Jeff Benedict right. talked for 75 hours earlier. I don't have time <laughs> to do things for long. I only got, I only, you know, quick bursts here. And I'm going to keep it moving. ADD, how you doing? Keep it moving. The, the, out of your Twitter yesterday, though, every, about once every other week, your Twitter uh, account becomes relevant, right? I, I think that's probably. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's no Jeff Passan or anyone no, like no, that, no, but no, you know, no. I try. Yeah, Jet, Jet's had a hot run here with the controversies around baseball. But yesterday, you went big because Street Jesus, Jorge Masvidal, and Nate Diaz, which would be their second fight, is being talked about happening. You broke that news, saying it's probably going to happen in January. Now more news has come out that that's for the baddest motherfucker on earth title again, which was a, allegedly a one-off. What are you hearing about this? Is this definitely going to happen and i'm so thankful that that title is going to be something that is going to be up for grabs well i love the fact that you actually said the entire bmf name because no one ever says it we're not allowed to say it obviously on on the disney channel so it felt refreshing to yeah. hear it actually i respect out the brand way. yeah that's why dana white likes me mm-hmm. you know what I mean? right exactly it knows i exist because <laughs> um, i respect the brand 100 percent, 100 percent. um so unlike you Amen. Amen. Uh, so they, they, they reached out to both of them on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, talks, I would categorize them as early stages. You know, with both of those guys, uh, there are negotiations. It's not like, hey, Nathan Diaz, are you in for January 2nd? Yes, I'm in. Send me the bout agreement. There's a process here. It's a little different with those two in particular. So uh, another outlet, TMZ, came out with a report that it would be the same night as the Usman Burns fight on December 12th. That's not going to happen. There's a better chance of you getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Pat, than those guys being the co-main event of Usman Burns. A little aggressive here. Basically, I, mean, I, I, I don't think. That's quite a well, I don't think you needed yeah, it. Exactly. That's the point. It's yeah, just go sky. on with they your point. Not, <laughs> they're not going to be the co-main event to those guys, so they're going to do them in January, and I think there's a good chance of it happening because Masvidal said that if he doesn't get a chance to fight for the belt, the only other fight that interests him is Diaz, and Diaz has said, I'm more interested in this fight than the Conor McGregor trilogy fight. So they both want it to happen. Now, also I'm told... They haven't even talked about the BMF title, but I'm told that Masvidal, regardless of what happens, and I think that ultimately it will be on the line, he's bringing it to that fight because he appreciates the fact that Diaz created the belt and said, I want to defend it against you, so he's going to return the favor if and when they fight in early January. I think it's. Do you think it's because of Disney that that is not a prominent piece? Because I think that's like... No. No, you don't think that. The baddest motherfucker. Are you motherfucker trying to get me in trouble with my own employer here? Why would you ask such a question? Is it because of Disney? They just did it for the BMF title back in November. Why would they not do it again? Yeah, but then it kind of disappeared. It almost like it ruffled some feathers. We're like, yeah. hey, we can't have the baddest motherfucker title on. Halle Berry said it on said it. I mean, Halle Berry said it. Why center. won't you say it? Um, I mean, no one asked me to say it. Say it right now. Say it. 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 Okay, well, I think well, it's frozen again. Uh, <laughs> it's Wi-Fi, got it. Okay, it's Wi-Fi from basement there. The the um, we're in a big studio, by the way. You're in a tiny little room. Yeah. The um, <laughs> the uh, the Brock Lesnar thing is very very interesting at this point. Okay, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar announces a free agent. <laughs> Good you froze time. again. That time you were smiling though, so it was at least a good one. I mean, it was a very 
<laughs> Brock Lesnar news became viral, obviously, because he was a WWE free agent. And in the wrestling world, there's a competition now. So nobody knew what was going to happen. But immediately upon realizing that Brock Lesnar is not only a free agent from the WWE, everybody realized, oh, he's a free agent from everything. Like right now, Brock Lesnar has no contracts tying him to fight anywhere, wrestle anywhere, do anything. So obviously, people started spinning narratives here. Johnny, Johnny Bones Jones said, I'll beat your ass, Brock, in an attempt to maybe get them on a card. Coker has come out and said, Fedor, Brock is a fight that has never happened. What are you hearing on that front? And is Brock going to get back into the octagon, what you're hearing? Or is this all just rumors you're not 100% sure? Uh, first of all, I'm always sure of everything. So get that through your little head. I mean, they call me the nose for a reason because I knows everything. You get what I'm saying? Not just because of my big nose. Now, um, this happens every year or two, right? When it comes to Brock Lesnar, he might be the greatest businessman in the history of combat sports um, because he, he always, quote unquote, fights out his contract, right? And then he becomes a free agent and then he uses the UFC as leverage. And then more often than not these days, he'll go back to WWE and get a huge deal. Well, Something really interesting happened yesterday. Uh, your friend Dana White was asked a question at a press conference about Brock Lesnar fighting John Jones. And what he said to me told me that there is some smoke to this fire. He said, if they both want it, I'll do it. Now, he didn't say, old news, the ship has sailed, I'm not interested, he's 43, he's too old. No, he said, if they both want I'll do it. That leads me to believe that he wants it, and that leads me to believe that some things are happening right here. Now, obviously, you know, he's 43, he hasn't fought in four years. He told us last year that, you know, he doesn't like to get punched in the face anymore. He doesn't want to do training camps. He gets treated like a star in WWE. Why would I go through this? So maybe things have changed. Ultimately, I think he probably goes back to WWE, but I think there's something real here. I think there's an actual legitimate story. And by the way, John Jones is moving up to heavyweight. I don't think he should fight anyone until he fights for the heavyweight title because he could slip on a banana peel. He could get knocked out. It's wasting a lot of money if you put him in there against like a Curtis Blades or a Derek Lewis, except for Brock Lesnar. If Brock Lesnar is available, you make that fight. It's a freak show fight. It's a fun fight. It's the biggest fight for John outside of the heavyweight title. And oh, by the way, it's the easiest fight for John as well, because I think he would beat Brock Lesnar rather convincingly. So you call Brock Lesnar a freak show. Then you say that you think John Jones would be able to beat him easily. I mean, I hope Brock Lesnar's listening and shows up in your basement over there and just breaks you in half. You're talking about the <laughs> alpha human Ariel. Brock Lesnar doesn't like me. Uh, he pretends every time someone's asking him about me that I don't exist. Uh, so I'm not too worried about what, what do he you do. What? I know deep down. Why does everybody what? hate you? Dana acts like you don't exist. No, everyone... Brock acts like you don't exist. You cover the sport that these two are potentially two of the biggest names in. Why is that happen, Ariel? What 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 do you do? Is it you? You think at some point? Ooh. No, I, I think it's just because I'm really good at my job, to oh. be honest. Oh, yeah, because other professions where people are really good at their job, the people they're covering just fucking despise them. That's normal. Well, as you <laughs> Well, uh, with, with all due respect, you know, I cover, and I say this in the most um, complimentary way, so I hope you, whoever clips off your little clips and put this on Twitter and tags everyone to try to get me in trouble, I, I hope he recognizes that I'm saying this in a complimentary way. I cover a circus, and when you cover the circus, you know sometimes the carnival barkers get upset when you when you talk about what they're doing. That's all. This dude is outrageous. By the way, we have the clip of me and Dana White talking about you be oh. because you act just like Brock Lesnar acts when he hears your name, like you didn't see this. Please run it, Zito. I know. I heard him speaking earlier today, Ariel Hawani. 
uh, Stipe will be fighting for the championship next fight is what he said. And, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. Uh, he's an asshole. But that's what he said. He gets the belt back potentially at the next fight anyways. Well, you're right about a lot of things. He is an asshole. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, I can see this going to a decision. They're both in, in great shape. That's it. Uh, that's it right there. That's great. So Where's your shirt, by the way? What's going on with your no shirt situation? Okay, so interesting dynamic here. I was told that it was going to be at one time. Okay, then it got moved up a half hour, and I was in the middle of my Stairmaster climb, you know, because at that particular point, I was in training for my fight against Adam Cole, baby. So I just had to go shirtless with that thing. And by the way, my driveway is the only place that has enough service for me to connect to IG Live. So it was kind of a mad panic. I, I didn't know why I was invited to be on there. I was thankful, obviously, Dana put me on there. But I just... I, I had to make it happen as quickly as possible so I didn't miss the opportunity. And by the way, almost did. Almost threw up mom's spaghetti all over the thing. <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? I'll never leave you hanging. I'll never be late to any of your, you know, appearances or interviews. He was early. Requests. He was early. He was so excited. He was early. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. Well, I'll never leave you hanging. I just wanted to say that. I with him. Very nice of you. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Do you, so you think Brock goes to WWE, John Jones fights for a title, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight for the BMF title in January. Is there anything else to talk about in your world? Don't you have a guy there who works with you now who knows a lot about Brock Lesnar? I'd rather hear what he has to say, what Michael has to say. Oh, Mr. Mansuri? Yeah, Mr. Mansuri yeah. knows a lot about Brock Lesnar, and he knows a lot about the UFC world as well. Probably, to be honest, he could probably take your job if he wants to, just like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. easy, just like that if he wants to. And people would like him probably more than me, right? Oh uh, yeah, he has a percent. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. No from, what, from what we've learned about you and, and people hating you, which by the way, we don't. We all we don't. No. We don't hate you at all. No. But from what it sounds like, is there is a a collection of humans who who do think not, you're an asshat. Yeah, yeah, they think you're the worst. Not us. They, they not us. No, 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 people no. say you're a potentially worst person on earth. Mm -hmm. Man, sorry. Here's man, sorry. By the way, this well, guy. I can't necessarily hear Ariel back, but I would say you hit it right on the head. Uh, he'll Brock will wind up back with WWE. He's just a smart businessman. There's nobody out there in any form of entertainment that's got a mind like he does. He'll and go back he, to where he's paid well. And he's currently locked in Canada, right? He's not even allowed to leave. Yeah, Canada. he's he's up on the farm, man. Brock's just hunting, fishing, farming, and you know maybe drinking a couple uh, Coors Lights because Bud Light won't give him any money. Did you guys? Whenever Brock went over to UFC, did you expect him to be as successful? I feel like the fight purists didn't give him much credit. And now I was a big wrestling fan. And I was like, yeah, Brock Lesnar's going to go in there and kill a guy. That's what he's going to do. And everybody's like, no, this is a whole different ball game he's going to hit. And then he did, by the way. And he has hands the size of this AFL ball. And they were just raining. He was doing elbow, like six-inch punches to a guy's face. And it looked like the most. Like, did you guys expect him to be as good as he is? And you said he's 43. Do you, would you expect him to still be? Because I think he is just a different species of human. Like, I, I think he's just a different species of human. Uh, I don't think he'll be as good. I did expect him to be really good. He was a freak athlete. Remember, national yeah. champion, University of Minnesota, tried out for the Vikings and got cut on the last day and had no prior football you know, experience. So he's a freak athlete, no doubt about it. That guy, by the way, that he was hammer fisting like that, that was Frank Mir, oh, yeah. who's a former UFC champion. heavyweight champion. So he wasn't like some jabroni scrub. Like but him. now at 43, and by the way, uh, you know, the times are different. Um, you know, there's USADA. Drug test. Oh. I'm just saying the times. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying the times are different. That's well, all. Turns out we got to end this conversation. Poor connection. Poor connection. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> friend of the show, host of Ariel Hawani's MMA show, DC and Helwani, who by the way, his co-host did break news on our yep, show, yep, not yep, their show. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, Ariel Hawani. Thank you, Ariel. Yeah. There it is. Thanks for the compliments in there that you sent, you know, kind of in between jabs and right hooks. Yeah. I appreciate it, Ariel. Really nice guy. Thanks, guys.
Yeah. He's awesome. He is. Yeah. yeah. I would assume that he tries to trade barbs with people, and they do not yeah. like it. Some people can't handle it. And that is why people hate him. Can't even say the BF, BMF name here. I know. You know. Well, they can't say it on ESPN because of not ESPN's rules. Because, by the way, ESPN bent the rules for the last dance. That's right. They did. Yeah. I do recall. And, by the way, I thought that was potentially going to be a yeah. thing moving forward. Like, I think, well, uh, they did it for the Lance Armstrong dog, too. Is ESPN potentially coming back into the? Hey, we we got to compete against these people on the internet. They're allowed to say whatever the fuck they want. Are we? Uh, is there any chance we could potentially dial back these goddamn rules just a little bit? That's what Disney's saying. And the FCC's like, uh, have you heard what we do to radio? <laughs> they can't even say take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the show. We'll be back, Minyana. I told you we had a hell of a lineup today. Great conversation. Big announcement. Can't wait to be back on Sirius. This podcast is going to become a daily podcast. I mean, this is this is big times. Very thankful for all of you. Very proud of our team continuing to build and enjoy this process and hopefully continue to provide some mental vacations for some people. We can't thank you enough for choosing to listen. We're back manana. This has been the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. All right, I can't even say that straight face. Ty, please play some independent music, please.